If nobody was told what you were meant to do, if there weren't any rules, we would be living in a totally different format. We as journalists and activists have always found it very difficult to find people who will openly talk about being bisexual. Just don't think there are enough bi perspectives on bi issues. I feel like we've got to talk about it because we're really comfortable doing that. It can be really intimidating. Bisexuality is not really understood because people have biphobic tendencies. And the second you mention bisexual, just their ears pick up. Oh, well, you're still confused, right? No, I'm not confused. I've always found myself at the mercy of gay and straight advice. You can have a bit of competition to see who's the better bisexual bruncher. This is Bisexual Brunch. Yes, welcome to another uh, Bisexual Brunch. Now, I've had a rather weird week because... um, my partner has been uh, sleeping a lot. Um, as you're probably aware, both of you, um, for various reasons, um, my partner sleeps a lot anyway um, to do with medication and things like that. But he's been sleeping a particularly long time at the moment recently and um, uh, seems to be having sort of weird, strange dreams all the time. And um, he's very good at reciting these dreams to me. And, um, uh, you know, they're all, you know what dreams are like. They're all a bit odd here and there kind of thing. Um, and But sometimes you think to yourself, what do they say about you? What do they say about society? What do they say about your relationships and all the rest of it? Anyway, um, lo and behold, Nikki, um, he's been dreaming about you. Uh, you've appeared in several of his dreams. and um, But the capacity <laughs> is, <laughs> the capacity is that you are um, on several occasions been um lecturing us not lecturing us in a bad way but advising us i suppose about our sex lives so where that's come from i don't know but i i suppose it's because you know he's now in the other room at the moment but here's us recording this show and i suppose it just goes deep into the subconscious doesn't he he's got an idea that you're you're a, a sex advisor that you're the guru nikki you're oh, well i'm extremely flattered by this uh, it is weird who you dream about because sometimes I dream that I'm giving government ministers lectures about what they should do. Now, that's obviously my ego and my dream is to be invited onto the Equalities Commission Board or something like that. But I do have some absolutely bizarre dreams. And also, I've just started working with a therapist who tells me that uh, I've got big crow energy. This is going to sound absolutely mad. So basically, there's this thing in 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 certain kind of spiritual therapies about animal totems. This idea that there are, obviously we live with animals. We've lived with animals for thousands of years, and certain animals uh, can show us certain things about our natures. And apparently, if you've got an association with a crow, it's all to do with like higher mind stuff, being a bit like too in your mind and not in your body enough, speaking very fast. Being attracted to kind of like shiny, bright, quick things. Actually, all things that describe my personality. But apparently crows are also really connected to magic, to things that we don't understand, that things that happen that are unexplained. Uh, And the the therapist actually asked me if I was psychic. Now, I don't think I am. I've never never believed I am. I think I'm neurotic. And sometimes that maybe to other people has appeared to be some kind of psychotic psychosis. But that's not the difference. That's the same as being psychic. But I'm I'm super intrigued at the minute in kind of like other energies that we absorb. So maybe it's as as picked up my big crow energy somehow along the way. That's the only thing I can think of. Yeah, possibly. It's really weird, isn't it? It's really weird. I mean, there was some other person who um, we were quite close to as friends for, for a long time, and he he, he, he for, for a while he kept having dreams about her being his Earth Mother. <laughs> Really strange, really strange things. Um, but he tends to um, 
remember dreams and write them down, I tend to forget them very, very quickly. However, and I'm sure you're all, you probably both experienced this, sometimes there is a difficulty, isn't there, when, you, when you've had one particular dream, whether it be a really good one or a really bad one or whatever, where you, for a whole day, you, you, you sort of, in this weird thing of sort of not really what no know, knowing what reality you're in for you know what I mean? It's weird. I, isn't it? I'm super interested in it because somebody told me that when I had psychosis, that psychosis is like being trapped in a dream state awake. And it's something to do with like the rhythms in your brain don't know the difference between when you're meant to be sleeping or waking. So that's like one theory of it. So I'm really, really fascinated. I dream very vividly. Um, I know that some medications give you more intense dreams, like the medication I take for um, the aripiprazole I take gives me like kind of like wild uh, psychedelic dreams, which I really enjoy. And I've also taught myself recently to lucid dream. Is that why you've got lots of flashing coloured lights behind you as well? No, that's just because my husband was DJing last night and he hasn't turned them off. So I thought I'd leave them on because it's a bit fun. (laughs) But but um, no, I've taught myself to lucid dream, guys. So this basically means you can be in a dream and you can direct the action and do whatever you want to do in the dream, and it's actually the best thing ever. Well, how, and, come on, how does it work and, then? How does it work? Well, because basically what happens is that you, you can't kind of bring the state on. It's to do with how relaxed you are before you sleep. But then when you get into the state, all of a sudden you become conscious, oh, I'm dreaming, and if I decide to go over to that tree or if I decide to go talk to that person, I can do something. And so like you learn and you get you learn to have more control over it as you do it more often. But I've got to be honest, and I told this to my husband and it killed him laughing. I've mainly used it for sex, like um going to orgies, like doing stuff that I would never do normally. And I think this is what lots of people that learn to lucid dream do. It's like free porn basically. So free V free VR <laughs> porn in your own head. Have you watched um, Behind Her Eyes on Netflix? Yes, amazing. (laughs) That hasn't influenced me. I already knew how to lucid dream, but that really resonated with me. (laughs) We won't say what the link is there because I don't want to spoil it for people that haven't seen it, but um, that scared the hell out of me if I just learned to lucid dream. Yeah. What What kind of dreams do you have then, Lewis? At the moment, I keep having dreams of like, oh my god, something slight happened to the baby. But just because the baby is like six months old, and I find it the most dangerous time of all. Because before you could just put the baby down, and she would just stay still. Now she's le- she's crawling and stuff like that. So you're just seeing all the danger. So you're just having these dreams of like, oh my god, we left the door open and the baby got out and stuff like that. You just wake up like lock the doors, um, so stuff like that. I would say my most annoying dreams, though, are the dreams where, you know, where you can't wake up in the morning and then your, like, brain takes over and you get in the shower, you get dressed, you're ready to go, and then suddenly you wake up and it's like, oh, my God, I'm back at the beginning. I'm still in bed. Those are the annoying ones. <laughs> that drives me insane. I hate it when I, I dream that quite regularly. Not anymore because I don't go to work properly, but I used to do that. And then you'd be like, I'm exhausted already. It's Groundhog Day. What about how you end dreams? Because everyone has a particular weird ending, don't they? Lots of people have. Mine is always I'm going through some kind of weird tunnel or something, and then I hit the hit the bottom and wake up. Um, some people, are, I mean, my dad. I think my dad's always he's always in a in a sort of um, in a queue or something, queuing to go to the loo, desperately to go to the loo, and just can't, is bursting, and then suddenly he'll wake up, kind of thing. You know, everyone. How do your dreams end? Do you know? My dreams end a lot with me being conscious that I'm dreaming and saying, oh, come on now, it's time to stop and wake up. Like, I, that happens to me a lot of the time now. And that's also since I started lucid dreaming. So that's it's something to do with my conscience, consciousness rising back through. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. What about you, Lewis? So for me, it's really weird. And I would say the ones that come to mind are basically where 
sort of, I become aware that it's a dream and I become aware that I'm in bed. And then like, if something good is happening, like I'm like, no, I want to kind of stay in the dream. And then at a certain point, it's not a dream anymore. I'm just thinking and finishing the plot line consciously. Um, but then other times it's like, oh, thank God, this is all just a dream. I'm not under arrest. I didn't murder that person. Thank God. <laughs> I can go back to not being on the run. It's strange, isn't it? It's strange. But it's, um, you know, I don't think, I don't, I very rarely have nightmares. A couple of times every now and again. But generally, I, most of my dreams are fairly positive. But I do forget them very, very, very quickly. One thing that's happened to me, though, recently is I went for a, an eye test. This is slightly different to the dreaming thing. But I don't know whether it has any effect on the way I'm sleeping um but i went for an eye test and uh my eyes are apparently perfect i've got 20 20 vision blah 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 all the rest of it but I, I i have this problem at night time where i often get this like sort of um very sore eyes like an infection in the middle of the night where i wake up with really sore eyes. i've got loads of grit in my eyes and i thought it was something to do with the flat that we live in but it happened it's happened in the past when i've been in hotels and all sorts of places and it happens quite a lot and uh apparently the 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 eye expert that i was seeing at the time reckons that um my eyes stay open at night time, partially open. So I'm actually, I'm actually, and, and and my partner actually has confirmed this. Apparently, my eyes are slightly open occasionally at night time when I'm asleep. Isn't oh, that no. weird? That's really strange. Isn't there? Can't you get like little eye weights or something to put on I need it? To get, to keep... I need to get something because it does, <laughs> it does affect it does affect me because uh, you know I can't be doing because what happens is when I get this this stuff in my eyes this. The next day, my eyes are bloodshot. It hurts all day. I I can't concentrate. You know, at first I thought it must be something to do with computers, but it seems that it's something at night time, and, and my eyes just aren't closing fully. You know, weird. I bet I bet you can get a special eye mask, Ash, that you can wear that just puts a bit of pressure on your eyelids to keep them down, and we'll stop it happening. I think I need to do that definitely because yeah. it, it is quite. You know, it's very irritating. Obviously. Yeah. Maisie sleeps with her eyes open, and it freaks me out at first because she looks dead. And she's just there with, like, her eyes open, but she's asleep. I'm like, oh, my God, stop that. You're freaking me out. Where is she, by the way? She's got, I've sent the kids out. So the kids right. are, the kids have gone out, given, given Daddy, like, an hour or so to himself to record in peace, um, which is quite nice. Because I never get any time alone anymore. Um, <laughs> I know. This is quite cute. But I will have to bring her on at some point. She's so, like... You will... I want to see her now because she's grown so much. She's grown. She's so responsive. I mean, at work, yeah. literally, because obviously work from home now and like people will call me and they're just looking for Maisie. Like, and where's Maisie? <laughs> I have to bring her. And she like, she knows. She's she's definitely going to be a bit of a poser. She knows her audience. She's there like, ha ah, She's like giggling at them and like laughing and stuff. And they're just like putty in her hands. So. <laughs> she's taking after daddy already. <laughs> yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> you know what? She hates having, like when we give her a bath, she hates us putting her clothes on like her pajamas for bed and my partner was like that's from you she doesn't like to be clothed <laughs> wants to be naked all the time let's let's move on and talk about what we're here for which is obviously to talk about bisexuality in a moment we'll have a chat about the latest numbers and what we should read into them and um, some new statistics from uh, america um around how many people are identifying as as bisexual um we've got another uh bisexual personal story this time from laurie in pennsylvania we'll be hearing from her uh, a little bit later on and also um songs which convey words about bisexuality there's surprisingly quite a few of them and um we're going to talk about that a little bit later on and we've got a challenge for you as well so um stay tuned uh, to hear all about that but first of all um some of the feedback we've been getting last i think it was last last show we talked at the end didn't we about um 
uh, how we're perceived as people. And uh, both Lewis and I said we were originally uh, perceived when we were younger as twinks and we're now probably daddies or whatever you want to call it. Um, and uh, you, Nikki, were, what did you used to call yourself? You were a... Hyperfem. Hyperfem. That was it. That was how people, <laughs> see, people see you in the LGBT community. Well, one guy uh, tweeted us, um, uh, Luke, and, and said that um, he'd done a little bit of research into this just to find out where he fitted. And he said, apparently, he's a twink in summer, an otter in winter. Um, he doesn't fancy bulls at all. I don't know what a bull is. What's a bull? What would a bull be in in gay terms, gay male terms? I've no idea what a bull would be. In my head, that's like a tall, bald guy. I don't know why. Bald, bald, and broad-shouldered is what I'm imagining. Yeah, yeah, possibly, yeah, possibly. Uh, but apparently, um, a, a, a very tall uh, gay man is a giraffe. <laughs> <laughs> Did you know that? I've I'd never, never heard, heard that. Yeah, apparently a giraffe. So there you go. Weird, isn't it? But. Um, yeah, keep them coming. Um, you know, let us know any more thoughts you've got on that because it is funny. Because you know, I think um, sadly um, we are all sort of putting little pigeonholes in the uh, LGBT community. That's the funny side of it. Obviously, there is a serious side of it, and we discussed a bit of that in the um, in the last um, in the last program as well, where we were talking about um, uh, inter uh, minority stress and prejudice. And several people have actually uh, been in touch with us about that saying that they um, they experience it on a regular basis. I mean, the majority of people were, are talking, because obviously most of our audience is bisexual, most people are talking specifically about uh, the stress that they get from other people in the LGBT community just simply for being bisexual. And we cover that, obviously, all the time. But there were there were some other uh, specific things that were, were mentioned. And um, I'll just read some of them out now and get your reactions to these. Um, somebody says here, very... Um, vehemently I'm content with my sexuality I know who and what I am once you know that and convey it to others no one will ever be able to take that away from you so um, quite nice to hear somebody being very positive about themselves somebody else here says I think the recent hate surrounding uh, drag race um, and I don't watch the drag race things on, on TV I have no idea what all, the, what, what all the fuss is about to be honest but he reckons it definitely reinforces that the community can be as toxic as any other which is deeply troubling when they face another enough uh, adversity from outside to begin with um, do, do, do you all both know what we're talking about there with the drag race apparently I actually it. don't, I don't watch it no. Neither do I, but can, this just reminds me of a horrific moment where I was asked to talk um, at Pride in London on the main stage, and the um, the drag queen that was like talking to me on stage in front of thousands of people was like, "Do you watch Drag Race?" And I was like, "Because I don't." And I was like, uh, uh, "No, not really." And you could feel the crowd turn on me, but she like, had to jump in and save me. And was like, "Well, we're gonna get him all dragged up after this." Woo! I got them all cheering again. <laughs> I literally was like, do I lie in front of thousands of people? Because she might ask me something that's happened. You can't, you can't lie in that situation. I, do you know what? We need to watch it. Yeah, and we why, should. Why, we need to watch it. So sorry that, sorry to listeners that we don't watch it. We need to. Yeah, let's we're watch let, it. We're letting, we're letting everybody down. We, we are, we are, it. definitely. I can only be honest like this on a, on a pre-record <laughs> where there's no people to throw tomatoes at me. <laughs> <laughs> Daniel says, Daniel was in touch and says, there, are def there definitely seems to be a horrible, rabid approach to anyone who isn't strictly left-leaning politically within the LGBTQI community. I think there's some truth in that, actually. Very and, true. And it's not yeah. good, really. I've been thinking about that a lot lately, actually, that point, because I do think, 
I always, I'll always say when I was at um, the Pink News Awards that year that I was nominated for that award, I was really so proud. It really left me in a good way because everyone was there from all political parties. I was like, you know what? This is the one thing that all of the political parties seem to agree on to some extent. Like you've got conservatives here, you've got Lib Dems, you've got Labour, you've got all the little splinter groups, the Greens and everything. I was like, you know what? That like, we do need to make sure that we are kind of politically represented, that our rights don't depend on one party getting into number 10. It needs to be that, no, like, it doesn't matter whether you're left, right, centre, whatever, anti-government in general, like, these rights are, are guaranteed across the board. And to be fair, from in history terms, you know, certainly all the three main strands in British politics have a history of actually... Um, supporting and moving forward prog progress in terms of LGBT issues. You know, yes. often the Conservatives get uh, a bad press on this, but actually it was um, Lord Wolfenden in the 1960s, I think 50s and 60s, who yeah. moved forward the original um, plans to decriminalise homosexuality. And then it was Edwina Curry in the 90s who helped to bring down the age of consent yeah. to 18. Uh, and the then David Cameron bought in equal marriage. Exactly, so, exactly. You know, and the Labour, okay. the Labour Party obviously has a, a reasonably uh, good, um, you know, sort of history. Although, you know, the perception is with the Labour Party that they're all positive, when actually there's been a lot of negativity with, Labour, with elements of the Labour Party over the years. The Lib Dems have a very good, strong um, record on it, obviously, for over many, many years as well. So, um, and the Greens, I think. So, you know, I think it's important that we don't sort of, um, I, think a, I think there's a tendency in politics well overall as we know we, we we don't get into all the who are of lots of different things at the moment but there's a lot of demonizing going on isn't there in lots of quarters at the moment where you can't actually have a proper conversation about anything really and i think that's well, really Ash, quite sad let, you know? let, let's try and get some people on from the community that are conservative or from a political per perspective that is not ours so we can have a really great conversation about like yeah, their definitely, struggles definitely, i think that'd be cool so i would love that i think that this is something yeah. that really needs to be talked about in our kind of movement and also making sure that in the kind of strategies we take in the campaigns that we do to go forward that it is not just left liberal people in London talking to other left liberal people in London like actually being like you know what I've always said with my campaigning like it's about going to the lowest common denominator if this is what the biphobic argument is like I, you can't be like oh, well, but those kind of people are just stupid, so we won't deal with them. It's like, no, like, equality is as, is as strong as its weakest link, um, and we, we kind of have to follow that, I think. Also, views are very complex within the LGBTQI community. I remember growing up in the, the 80s and whatever, and there was, you know, I was very much a, a liberal, but there was there was loads and loads of, uh, of gay men who were huge fans of... Mrs. Thatcher and the Conservative Party, you know what I mean? Um, it was a, you know, everyone, no, a lot of people, a lot of people I knew couldn't understand it, you know what I mean? Oh, how can they be? How can they be? But, you know, it's not, it's complex, isn't it? Let's face it, you know, it's a different, it's not, you know, and I, but I did, I, I know where that person's coming from who mentioned that, the, the fact that they feel as though you can't be, um, a proper gay man or a bisexual man or bisexual woman or gay woman or whatever, unless you suddenly somehow hold these, very left-leaning views and therefore maybe that gets in the way of people forging relationships because people are very you know it's a very big thing for people that they need to identify with the other person you know it's just i mean my personal I opinion agree. is that we could we should actually try and 
um, realise that everyone's different, got different views, and I quite like having somebody challenge my views sometimes. I think that's quite a good thing, really. Well, I agree with Nikki that I think we should have people on, because it'd be interesting to know how they reckon those two things. I remember when um, Caitlyn Jenner said that she got more flack for being Republican than trans, and it'd be interesting to see how those kind of people reckon with the two things of like, well, but here is what's being proposed by this political party, and this is how it affects you. So, so how do you balance that? Exactly, exactly. Now, coming back to the issue we were talking about, which was gen- the general whole issue of stress and prejudice within uh, the, the inter-minority uh, prejudice and stress towards each other. Our question was, of course, um, should uh, you know, could uh, LGBTQI people be nicer to each other? Um, somebody here says uh, people are people regardless of political, social or sexual leanings. Understand that and you won't be disappointed in humanity. Just take the bad with the exceptional. I think that's being fairly realistic, actually, in a way, actually. Somebody else says here, um, Felicia says, watching people in the community invalidate and gatekeep is wearisome and disheartening. I agree with that. I think it's, um, sometimes I think to myself, why don't we just grow up? You know what I mean? But I think there probably is a lot of issues around where people have come from. And Daniel says, the added challenges a lot will face growing up will probably add into this defensive mechanisms built up over years to navigate big aspects of their life are hard to let go of. And I think there's probably some truth in that. I think we touched on that last time, didn't we, around the whole thing of minorities sort of taking it out on other people, you know, and on other minorities. Um, It's a very complex thing, really. But, you know, I don't, I mean, Lewis, you talked about it, didn't you, from the perspective of, of being somebody from, uh, mixed race background as well as being bisexual I mean, you see it in both yeah. both contexts don't you so yeah. yeah i think i think there's a lot of truth in that I, I, you know if you're someone that you feel like society's trodden on you i think there is a percentage of people in that situation that will then be like well if i tread on someone then you know at least i'm better than those people i think that that does happen and you know this whole discussion we were ahead of the curve guys because look at what's just happened with pride in london where that's all seem to be unraveling right now because of gatekeeping and, and, and other elements that, that that have come to the fore in the in the last few days. So unfortunately I don't think this issue is going away. Um no. but we can always no. talk it through. Absolutely. I mean over the years I've known groups of people uh, within the LGBT community, including also within the HIV and AIDS side of things as well, who've pitted themselves against each other in a sort of competition war, as it were, to sort of the, the, to be, who's the best to represent the community in different ways? I've seen that uh, in the north of England. I've seen it in London. You know, it, it seems to be a battle for many, many years to sort of be who's going to become the, you know, the, the 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 ones that are the you know the biggest champions, the ones that are, you know, are in. I suppose everyone's seeking sort of a bit of power in a way. I don't know if you've seen that, uh, Nikki at all. I mean, you see it probably see it in different quarters, not just in the LGBTQI area but there's certainly a lot of that goes on isn't there and it's not helpful really is it no it's so interesting i mean as i've got older i've just noticed that the world is really divided between socio and psychopaths and empaths and basically if you categorize it's really broad brush but most people fall into one of those categories and if you can figure out then the politics the arguing, the debating, the game playing, the power playing, everything starts to make more sense to you. And then you know to how to communicate with those people in the terms that they will accept. That is honestly what I have. That's like my new like theory of life from okay, Nikki. So we're going to, we're, 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 we're itching to know, how do you see me and Lewis? 
You guys are empaths, but me and Lewis are both sociopaths as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Two sides, one coin. Yeah. See, the sociopaths aren't dangerous necessarily. They just need, like, a bit of attention. Psychopaths are out to cause damage. <laughs> That's the difference. Right, well, <laughs> I'm sure we'll come back to this at some point. But thank you, everybody, for all your responses on this. It's been great. We'll, I'm hoping at some point we can get a few people on to actually have a proper debate and discussion about this and find out a bit more about people's um, experiences. Um, so that, that would be great. Now, statistics. Um, Lewis's favourite um, topic. Um <laughs> New study in America has come out with new figures around um, the number of people who are, um, you know, sort of identifying themselves as lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender or queer. Now, we had one in the UK around uh, about this time last year, if I remember, but there's not been anything else done, uh, mainly because of the coronavirus. So we're waiting for updates on that. So there's been um, some statistics uh, brought out in America, which say an estimated 5.6% of Americans identify as lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, or queer. This is according to Gallup. That's up from 4.5% in 2017 to 5.6%. So that's quite a big jump in a way. Um, of those surveyed who identified as LGBTQ, 54.6% identified as bisexual, 24.5% as gay, 11.7% as lesbian, 11.3% as transgender, and 3.3% said they used another term to describe their identity, either, you know, queer or same-sex gender, sorry, same-gender loving or something like that. Now, the total, of course, exceeds 100% because respondents were able to choose more than one category. So it could say they were bisexual and transgender or whatever it may be. So, but the, uh, they were based on 15,000 interviews conducted with um, adults 18 and older throughout 2020. So what do you make of that then? 54.6% identify themselves as bisexual. It's pretty consistent with every other um, study that's been done. It places it around around about the half mark, um, which is interesting. Um, it's, it's obviously growing. Um, I don't know. I mean, one thing I'm really excited about, guys, is the census. <laughs> As hasn't arrived, so we're going to have to do it online tomorrow because it's got to be done by tomorrow. Um, but I think that that's really going to change change a lot of things. It's not only they're not only asking about sexuality; they're also asking about gender identity. So we're finally going to have a really good read on that situation. I hope being able to make make the case for. For more things like this, for actually, you know, this is affecting a lot of people now. We need to make sure that the healthcare is being looked after, that the mental health is being looked after, um, that the services are, are there to support people um, for, throughout the LGBT. And obviously, with bisexual being one of the biggest groups, it just makes no sense that obviously, as I keep saying, we get the, the smallest amount of funding. Just to um, mention to anybody listening who isn't listening to us uh, in the UK, uh, because we have got a big audience outside the UK, it seems, um, the census is something, you may have a census in your own country, but the census in the UK has been going on for a long, long time and happens in the, the first year of a, of a new decade. Uh, basically, you know, 1971, 81, uh, so on. Um, and basically, it's a it's a government thing where by they ask you lots of questions about who's living in the household, 
um, things about jobs and work and religion and now sexuality, etc. So it's um, in fact, I thought they were getting rid of it at one point, but they seem to be carrying it on. So, um, yeah, I mean, so what do you think about these new stats, Nikki? Yeah, interesting. I mean, I, I agree with Lewis. Like, for us, they don't really confirm more than what we know. But I think what will be interesting is how the public, the general public, reacts to them. You know, is this going to finally change people's perceptions about the fact that there are many more bi people living amongst you than you know? Do you know what I mean? And that's got to be to the good. You know, I... What, 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 you know, the, the whole reason we make this show is because we know there's a community out there that's living without being connected and without other people recognising it. So anything, anything database that increases the knowledge we have about the community has got to be, has got to be to the good. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I just wonder how the media will, will actually perceive it and present it if suddenly there's a reasonable jump, you know, in, I know, you know, in the number of people identifying as bisexual, you know, I wonder how, the hacks at all the various newspapers and the broadcasters at all the the mainstream um, you know broadcasters in in Britain will will interpret it. Well, hopefully, me, keep me and Nikki in jobs. Uh, that's what I was going to say. <laughs> me and Lewis will be on it, pitching our heads off to get on as many channels as possible to set the records. Okay. And then we'll be able to say that bisexual brunch needs some funding and get get us some adverts as well. Maybe. Maybe we can get some lottery funding. But is that, you know, I've done this I've done this before myself in terms of trying to get ideas off the ground. As you know, we've been doing it for a long, long time. But you two are in the, the, the core of it more than I am these days. And, you know, what do you find, Nikki, in terms of when you, when the subject comes up as bisexuality, how do people within the media, how do the bosses and people react to it? Are they warm to it or are they still a bit sceptical? So the problem that I find now is that bisexual has got lumped in with woke. So anyone on the right thinks that if you're identifying as bi, you're part of the woke brigade, you're getting written off as being a do-gooder, as somebody that hates the system, you know, and that does my head in. But I will rigidly stick to identifying as bisexual because it's visibility for other people, for vulnerable people. That's why I do it. That's why it's important to me. I'm not going to lie about who I am. And people on the left want to hear about it. Like to them, to them, it's useful. And and also, uh, there just aren't enough of us. So you know, when you actually do say it, it generally tends to be a, a bonus in terms of representation. You know, when people are coming to fill their quotas and make sure that they're they're demonstrating that they've got a broad range of contributors. If you're bi, then that is another tick box for them. Yeah. Yeah, good. What about you, Lewis? What do you find? Do you find a bit of a, a kickback sometimes still? Yeah, I broadly agree with Nikki. I, I guess for me, the nuances, like I do find, it's kind of like, I find there are two sets of people. I'm not saying it's left and right, but it's kind of like, there are some people that are just like bisexual, that's not a thing, and they can't get their head around it. But then then I feel like there's like a void, and then just a jump to, oh, we're past bisexual now. We don't need labels anymore. And it's like, whoa, you've skipped bisexual. How can you how can you skip it? There there doesn't seem to be like a, a kind of moment where we just focused on on bisexual. And I do agree with Nikki that I think a lot of this stuff now it used to be you were just fighting against biphobia, but now you you kind of also have to fo- fight against the wokeness of, oh, well, this is all just, you know, this kind of thing that everyone's pushing, trying to turn us all bisexual. It's like, I'm not trying to convert you to being bisexual at all. It's not possible. I'm just saying, like, don't don't be rude to us. And actually, we, we just need to get a few bits ironed out so that bisexuals have the opportunity to live their lives however they want as well. Um, so I, I, I find it's confusing, but I find that, that it's very few people that want to kind of stick, like, actually explore bisexuality. They either want to be like, 
LGBT, that kind of includes bisexual, next, or, you know, or they don't want to touch it at all. Um, and then I do find, yeah, that the, I'm not knocking any journalists, journalists will come to me, but it'll be a bit, it's either a very sexual thing, so it's, it's then sexed up, and it's like, well, we want to focus on the sex element of it, woo! Um, rather than, you know, if I write a, a you know, I've pitched so many pieces this year, and fair enough, we're in a pandemic and everything, but it's like, no one wants to talk about it. It's always bottom of the priority list. Um, you know, it's been nice for me to see trans make the way up the priority list, to be honest, because I always thought it was just gay, gay men would always be at the priority list. So it's nice to see that it can happen, the priorities can change, but it would be nice that bisexuals didn't just have to sit kind of at the bottom of the priority list. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's funny, isn't it? Because I just, I, again, we come back to this, the word sex, but I just, I do feel as though a lot of people just cannot, they conceivably cannot get their head around it. That's the problem. And so a lot more, a lot of education does need to be done in terms of just, you know, explaining the whole thing to people. And I think we're still a long way away from uh, from doing that, unfortunately. And uh, and the other thing is, the other thing that worries me a little bit is that because of all the tick boxing that goes on now everywhere, I think there's an element of society that have grown tired of it. And I understand that. I can understand that because. He does get to a point where you're thinking, God, how many, you know, somebody, somebody joked to me the other day about, um, and this is, you know, some people will not recognise this and laugh at this. I know they won't in the audience, but I'm going to say it anyway. A friend of mine sent something on uh, Facebook and um, said that his, um, um, uh, somebody had contacted him from a university um, and uh, about something, something, nothing to do with sexuality or anything like that. But this person had um, signed her name and she put a pronoun. She she let me know that she's a she's a pro a pronoun. She her, you know. And he said something along the lines of, uh, you know, I'd never have guessed, you know, the kind of thing. And I know it sounds, I know, I know it sounds awful. Somebody, most people, a lot of people would say to people listening to this who who identify in that way will probably think, oh well, that's it's important that people know these things and people. Know. But I can understand it from the perspective of people who've grown up all their lives, think, you know, thinking they know the world and understand the world, and then suddenly they've got all this. All these extra things being thrown at them, and nobody explains any of it. You know what I mean? But, quite... but Ash, that's just grown old. Like I, I've had to learn a new piece of software for work, and I am like a seventy-year-old using it. I am so slow. My colleagues are laughing at me. Thirdy, I said, "Well, where's the cursor gone to him this week?" And he's like, "You just do this, like drawing a line." I'm like, and I'm struggling. It stresses me out. And he was like you've just got to get with it because you're getting old and this is how it works. And I'm sorry, but it's the same for people with pronouns on the bottom of emails. It's normalising it. it. Sorry, the world changes. Get used to it. Yeah, no, I get that. I get that. But what I mean is when there's so much coverage of different things, constantly, 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 constantly about different uh, minorities or different types of people or whatever, to add in, to suddenly add in, and I'm not saying we shouldn't because we need to talk about it, suddenly get bisexual in the mix as well up at the top of the agenda, you know, it's going to be difficult, isn't it? Because a lot of people have got tired of it all. Do you know what I mean? It's they of, have, but, but, but also what happens is when people are inundated with new information, they get a fatigue before they then get used to it and then they start paying attention to it. So you always get this patch where everybody's fed up of hearing about it and they can't cope and then they start to kind of absorb it a bit more easily. What I find particularly interesting something that isn't talked about enough is that when you look at the history of sexuality and like sexuality studies and I mean in a kind of scientific 
sense. We're really just at the beginning of understanding sexology, the categories of sex. Like we've only just found out about, we've only just found out basic things about of our anatomy. Like for example, that, you know, uh, the clitoris goes far back inside the body. We didn't know that at all. We thought it was just like a hood. It's not, it's got so many nerve endings, like just stuff like that. So if we're finding that kind of information out all the time why wouldn't it be that actually gender is more complicated and it's not stratified into these basic categories but nobody's saying in other things like we say oh the universe is expanding and we've got a new theory about mars and we know something more about the moon but nobody says that about sex and people don't want to accept that actually our knowledge is deepening so therefore we're learning new things and i don't know why that message doesn't get out i think it's because we have to rely on the gutter journalism not any of you guys but but the 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 British media, and I don't know about like the, the ones around the world, I find it so gutter journalism. So when we want to have a really important conversation about pronouns or about women's rights, it's always about, let, you know, let's find the most extreme view. And then that puts people off. And it's like, well, no, like that's, we're not advocating that we like, remove gender forever that's just a very extreme person um but actually the conversation common sense is over here but i think that that's what i find a lot of the time when i say like bisexuals included with being woke it's like you're fighting against the gutter journalists that have found these really extreme people to talk about it and now people have got that negative view of it because it's like oh well they they want me locked up because i don't put my pronouns on my email or whatever it's like no no that's that's just some odd person that said that like our, our conversation is here and i do think we need to get as good at calling out the far left as we do the far right because the, the far left are giving us a bad name i think they're actually hindering a bit of progress to be honest I completely agree. Like what's happened is because we can't be bothered to have these arguments because they're extremely tiring and extremely draining and we know what we think. We don't have them. And that means that a certain cohort of people that are basically basically bigoted are winning the argument, the culture war. And yesterday, for example, I was on Good Morning Britain talking about consent apps, so whether we should have these... um whether we should have consent apps so that you could know exactly what sex you were going to have before you have it. It's a load of rubbish. It doesn't work. It doesn't make any sense. It was proposed by a right-wing police officer in, in Australia. Anyway, the story was then written up in the Daily Mail. And for some reason, my age and my age alone was written into the article, whereas the other two experts didn't have their age put in. And I was like, what's that about? Like, and I had to make a point of emailing them and getting them to remove it and doing it carefully so I don't get the backup of the Daily Mail. But the point is, there's all these bad habits around reporting around sexism and racism and genderism that, is, that I completely agree with Lewis are embedded in the press and we've got to challenge them. Yeah, yeah. also, also, um, there's an issue, you know, and you're talking about the left, Lewis, you know, there's this issue, constant issue that's happened a lot lately with lots of different things and lots of different communities. Uh, is the whole thing of cancel culture, which is which is scary, you know, and and that's become a, uh, you know, ra- around identity politics, that's become a huge thing whereby, you know, you cannot have a nuanced debate about anything, and I and I don't think that's healthy. I think it, I think it caught, you know, I might not agree with people, but I'd like to hear somebody's view and challenge that view rather than ha- it being in a situation whereby. You know, you literally cannot, you know, and also you're labelled in a particular way. I mean, for example, um, the recent, uh, we've not even discussed this, and I don't think we should get into a massive debate about it, but the whole the whole issue around the royal family recently, um, you know, it, my, I have sympathies uh, for both sides of the, of the royal family in this. Um, 
I understand, you know, I, I, I care about them you know, bizarrely because, you know, they've been part of our lives for such a long time and I get it on both sides. But to say that, um, for some people, um, they will categorise me as um, not taking seriously what Meghan Markle's talking about, which is nonsense. So, but, you know, you're not able, what I'm saying is you're not able to have a nuanced opinion about anything. And I think that is a really bad precedents actually and it, wor it makes me worry where are we going to with that because actually what we're creating is is actually and this is from the left in a way a dictatorship through the back door that's what we're doing it's a collective thing where everyone if you don't think the right way then you will be ridiculed and you know um banished from society as it were i totally agree and and to my point I, that's what i think we are really good at calling out the far right but we're not so good at doing it with the far left and it it is causing problems it really is and you know we're in a country where a left-wing party has not been elected in over 10 years and you could argue it's because kind of to your point ash similar but obviously with the added on of like it is it's a it's because there's extreme crazy people saying stuff but if you're in a if you're you know living in this country you're like i abide by the law I don't do bad things, I pay my taxes, blah, blah, but then it seems like this on the left here is like, oh, well, that's not good enough because you haven't got your pronouns in your email, you're still a bad person, blah, blah. It's like, well, no one's going to vote for you if you think that, and I think if we're ever going to win and have left-wing people in positions of power, we've got to make, we've got to have those nuanced conversations and we've got to be able to live with, like, you know, I agree with six out of ten things that Ash has said, and that's fine, I still like him, he's still my friend. We disagree on certain things and that's fine. I do think we need to get back to that. And I think that eventually something will happen. You know, someone will say something, we'll get cancelled, and then that everyone else will kind of be like, no, we, we don't consider them cancelled, or whatever it is. There will, there will have to be a moment where it's like, no, we've got to have conversations. But to what me and Nikki were just saying, like, I think we have to win the press over with that. We have to get the press to realise you can't be... Yeah. you know, naming things and, and, and saying it, you know, it is like you're cancelled or or just going to extremes. We've got to have reasonable, boring discussions, which, you know, our discussions aren't boring. But what we do here is we, we, we chat about things and we, we kind of go for everyone's perspectives on it. And that's a conversation. That's how society should work. If this whole episode had to be condensed into a headline, I'm pretty sure, like, you know, we, we would all come out really badly. Yeah. Well, like, do you remember that time when I had to go on debating sapiosexuality? Well, sapiosexuality is a real thing that has been discovered recently and there's this new scientific research in sexology to talk about it. And that's kind of the beginning and the end of it. But I, when, I, when I went on to debate it, I was completely ridiculed. And, uh, you know, the doctor who was on against me, who believes all kinds of very strange things about gender anyway, because she was a doctor... Uh, was the person that was kind of focused on as the truth teller in the debate. And this was on the Daily Mail again. And it even got me to think, maybe I should just do a PhD so they can then next time be like, well, doctor versus doctor. But it, we shouldn't have to have that. If someone's making a valid point about science, why is that being ignored? Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I think um, just bringing it around uh, full circle, you know, you were saying there um, on the politics side of things, Lewis, about, you know, the left and right and whatever, you know, there are other things in between. There's lots of different kinds of, of politics. It's not just far right, far left. You know, there are social Democrats, there are liberals, there are Greens. There's all sorts of different people and whatever who never get any exposure or very little exposure. Even when they're doing well, they get very little exposure. I mean, if you look at Biden in America, 
since since Biden became president of America, how much coverage has there been in UK news about Biden? Very little. Because, Zero. Because he doesn't excite them. He's not he's not causing a fuss. He's not he's not creating a who are, you know what I mean? That's the problem. And and but we and we need to question who's making that decision, who's saying you shouldn't hear anything about Biden or you shouldn't hear anything about Macron or about the uh, you know the 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 other fairly sort of liberal moderate politicians around the world you know it, yeah. it, it's it's scary but in terms of the bisexuality thing i think my main point is just that i think what i'm trying to say is that when i say that um people are getting fed up with it is that it's coming back to what you're saying really it's how it's portrayed so if they're constantly getting an, an a negative or a slanted sort of exposure to anything to do with lgbtqi or whatever it may be in the media that isn't a real um you know perspective as it were people are going to get irritated you know what i mean i can imagine somebody you know i've got relatives in the 80s and 90s who will hear it constantly 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 some of them who are very actually you know um my partner's um grandma uh, um is in her 90s and watched it's a sin and was a little bit confused about the fact that there were three men uh, having sex together wasn't quite sure but she's the most, <laughs> she's very liberal on these on those kind of things she's she gets sexuality she gets gender she gets the fact she probably didn't get it 30 40 years ago but she gets it now so she's progressed but if you're going to then constantly you know ramp down ram down the throat things that are that are playing on the negatives or playing on the extremes it's not going to take us any further, is it? So the, you're right. I tell you what we should do. We should, if we, I don't know if we could ever do this, but I wonder if we could get on bisexual brunch some of the journalists, some of the news editors in the various broadcasters and whatever, and maybe the newspapers who make decisions on these kind of stories on which, which way to take it. And we could, I mean, it might be impossible, but maybe we could try and see if we get somebody on. That'd be great. I think I'd be so up for trying to do that. Yeah. So what for yeah. it? It'd be nice to challenge them on different things, wouldn't it? You know, not in a not in a, you know, we'll do it in a in our usual, you know, very sort of uh um, you know, I don't know, what we're, we're quite tame, aren't we really? We're quite nice to people, really. <laughs> well, wait, look. We we uh, what's the word? We're diplomats. Yeah. That's we don't the word. want to have big fights. We want to we want to have chats and figure it out. Yeah. Exactly. We don't want to go for people. I mean, I know I can get animated when I'm talking about somebody that's not present, perhaps, but I'd never do that to someone's face. Yeah, yeah. And it's just not, it just doesn't work as a communication strategy. People want to feel that you are there to understand them. And I think that, you know, I actually think bisexuality is a really good case study to look at the media and how it's changed, because you obviously could argue, you know, digital came in and then there was this rush to clickbait. Um, and making these outrageous stories and keeping that news cycle going as quick as possible rather than, well, we've got time because we only put out one newspaper a day to think about the actual stories, as evident by all the typos. Um, but the representation of bisexuality is still sucked, even though they got in young people to kind of like write those headlines that people would click on. So I'd be really interested, actually, to your point, Ash, of getting someone on and being someone that's been there long enough to remember when the newspaper was just once a day and now sees it through like an app. And, and how bisexuality is, if they feel it's changed or if they think it's just still the same, the same old crap. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. Well, let's focus again uh, on bisexuality. We've gone off at a tangent, but I think that's great. Uh, I think we're good to, good to go off at tangents. Bisexual people aren't just obsessed with being bisexual. We, 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 we want to change the world, obviously. Um, <laughs> Nikki, there's been some more stuff out in America around um, 
the issue of coming out as a bisexual woman. Some interesting statistics around who bi women are happy to come out to, etc. Um, obviously, I say this is in the US. Uh, with, there hasn't been a study like this in, in, in the UK. What, what have they found? Well, I found this study to be absolutely fascinating because the conclusion was not at all what I was expecting. So basically, I think they did a survey of about 800 participants and they found that bi women that are partnered with straight men are the most likely to be in the closet. And and I just was so fascinated by this because you think that if you are with someone that loves you and cares for you and knows things about you, then it's no threat to them to know this thing about you. But maybe that's not how people tend to feel. I mean, I am obviously out to my husband and always was, you know, when I met him. But I'm finding it really interesting. And maybe there's something particular, particularly about America and American sexual politics that makes it harder for bi women to come out, you know, because there's a heavy focus on the family Um I'm wondering if that's got anything to do with it. And I'd be really interested uh, if our American listeners who are listening to this now have got thoughts on it, if they want to email in and tell us. Yeah, no, it is interesting, isn't it? Because also I I always get the impression that, um, and we talk about this a lot, don't we, the whole thing of men being into, you know, you know, two women having sex and all the rest of it. And I know know that's a negative in the sense that it's not, um, you know, it it, it sort of, uh, sort of, sexualizes it all and makes it all about one thing or whatever but you do get the impression certainly here in the uk that bi women are overall more accepted and people generally get it that the bi women exist at least do you know what i mean that they are there even if they're not being taken seriously they, they that they exist and, and and i get the impression that a lot of straight men generally don't have an issue with that i find that most straight men i've spoken to you know if their partner is bisexual, I don't think they've got hung up about it. As long as the partner, in their view, possibly if they're not in an open relationship, you know, wants to, is going to be loyal and all the rest of it, they they don't have a major deal about a deal with it. So I was I was quite surprised at this because i I thought it would be I thought it would be different. I thought the issue would have been more so um, by women in relationships with lesbians that would have been yes, the major issue. Yes, that's know. exactly what I thought. Of, and they say that the best scenario is by men and by women are always out to each other and that, you know, that works, that that makes perfect sense, doesn't it? I mean, if you both buy, why would you not admit that But to it's each very other? difficult to find other bi people, as we know. But, it, but it's very <laughs> difficult. And it's very rare that bi women date by men as well. So, like, so that isn't very common. But yeah, I just wondered, and I wondered as well, is it a self-censoring thing? So is it that these women maybe live as bi and then go back in the closet? Or is it they just never come out in the first place and then when they're with a man, they realise they're bi later on when they're living a straight life? Do you know what I mean? Because I think a lot of the personal stories or things that we hear on this show and when people are emailing us in are about people saying, I didn't realise until I was X age and by then I was already married with kids. Or And I'm wondering if that's what it's to do with. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. What do, you, what do you make of that, Lewis? Yeah, I mean, kind of like Nikki, it was shocking. Like, I didn't expect it with those results. But then I think this is, this is, this is the game we play, right? With equality. Like, the dial changes all the time. So is the conversations that we've had over the last five years impacted people and, and the dials change? You know, I mean, you know, we obviously have talked a lot about bisexual men, um, staying in the closet, but for, for bisexual women, like, if they've read all the stuff that, that's, 
they're like, I mean, bisexual women are so much more likely to be victims of sexual assault, that kind of thing. Is it now, as Nikki says, like a self-censoring thing? Is it like, shit, this is what's going to happen to me if I come out? Like, I'm going to, I'm going to stay quiet. Has the dial changed? So my conclusion is, if this were anything else, we'd be like, what the hell? We need to investigate further. But it's just like, it's just kind of flitted out as a piece of news. Oh yeah, bi women are more likely to be in the closet. Let's move on. And I think it's like, no, hold on, let's dig deeper. Let's get more funding, more research. Why, first of all? And are there issues there that we need to deal with? Because obviously, I would assume that the happy ever after is that bi women can be out to their partners and it can all be okay. Um, so if there's reasons that they are self-censoring, whether it's that they were comfortable with being out and now things have happened and they've gone back in, or whether it's that they've never been out, that, that there's stuff there that needs further analysis and further work you know where, where are the lgbt groups say oh my god this is shocking we're going to investigate further it's not happening i think also like nikki was saying i think you've got the the, the difference in in sort of uh culture into in different countries really i i suspect it's, di it's different here and in europe and various places i think that america has got a lot of you know there's a, there's a big religious side of things you know there's there's, there's certain traditions that people uh, feel as though they have to uphold within families and things like that. You know, it's sort of, and it might be different in different parts of America as well. Of course, you know, there'd be certainly, you know, in the South of America, it'd be different probably to to California or New York or whatever. You know, it'd be interesting to know the the differences there. I suspect there probably is cultural issues going on there, Nikki. Um, don't you think? Yeah, yeah, I absolutely do. And having spent time in America in various different states, I think that I think I also wonder if there's an element of um, women wondering that their, um, their, what's the word I'm looking for? Give me a second. Women wondering that their suitability to be a wife and a mother would be compromised if they admitted they were bi. I definitely think that could be a factor for people. Yeah, yeah. I think there's a very big thing in the US, far more than here actually, about the family, about having kids about the, the American dream or whatever it may be. Do you know what I mean? I think that still exists to an extent. I don't think it exists as much here. I think we're more, you know, we're, we're much more, apart from EastEnders, of course, where it's all about family. <laughs> I think we're much more focused here on on the individual in a way, actually. You know, I think it's moved on in that sense. Um, the thing I'm interested in on the by male side is, and we haven't heard much of this yet, is uh, we're hearing a lot of, uh, you know, bisexual men coming up to us and talking about being, in straight-facing relationships, not being able to be open, um, I'd like to hear from a few more men um, who are in gay-facing relationships and haven't be, aren't being particularly open, and that don't feel able to be able to say to their male partners that they fancy women. Um, I mean, you know, going back to Russell uh, Russell T Davis, didn't he do a a, a TV? Um, series called Bob and Rose at one time, where it was a, a, a supposedly gay man fell in love with a woman kind of thing. I mean, there's elements of that that get talked about sometimes, but I think it's another, it's an, it's an area which I suspect there are quite a few people who are in, who are in, um, in inverted commas, you know, gay relationships who are either curious or would like to, you know, um, investigate that sort of side of their, their, um, their, uh, their sexuality, but of, um, got stuck, as it were. I mean, it sounds awful to say that. I don't mean stuck in the sense that, you know, they're not happy with the person they're with, but they probably feel a bit like, you know, on either side, I suppose you just get into a comfort zone, don't you? You think, well, I suppose you get to a certain age and you think, well, 
you know, I'm not in the I'm not in the mode in my fifties or whatever it is to to start going out meeting people. You know what I mean? It's sort of because um, life 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 lives change and your priorities change, Lewis. Yeah, I would say that's the that is the second most common thing people will email me about. So the, the first most common is how do I come out to my wife? The second most common is. No one's going to take me seriously as a bisexual man. I've been with my um, male um, partner for five years, blah, blah, blah. All our friends are gay. I wouldn't even know how to um, flirt with a woman or, or be taken seriously by one. And it's, it's, it's internal, basically. It's like, I don't even believe a woman would take me seriously as a potential lover. Um, it, it's that kind of thing. And also, everyone around me reinforces that I'm gay. We only have gay friends. My, my other half doesn't want to hear it. Um, it, it's an issue. It's, it's sad. It's, it's, you know, it's, we obviously, I, I think because of, um, the LGBT in general, we kind of see as the straight culture is restricting, but for bisexuals, the, the gay culture can be just as restricting. Um, so yeah. yeah, there's work to be done. Yeah, definitely, definitely, definitely. So yeah, so interesting chat as ever. And we'll, uh, we'll come back to it, I'm sure, uh, um, on numerous occasions, um, in the future, um, when more stats come out to get, uh, Lewis uh, all excited um, <laughs> uh, in a moment after the break we're going to be hearing a personal story from Laurie in Pennsylvania that's to come in a moment and then a little bit later on we're going to be talking about uh, songs and songs which have bisexual lyrics Bisexual Brunch is produced with love by MIM and if you like what we do why not support us on Patreon Visit patreon.com forward slash bisexual brunch. Thank you. I am a journalist and broadcaster and I'm 37 years old. I live in London with my husband. I'm originally from West Yorkshire. About five years ago, I had a single episode of psychosis which led to suicidal ideation. I'm Devon Rees and this is Life Matters. Our very own Nikki opens up to the new groundbreaking Life Matters podcast. Now that I'm older and I look back, I think in my teens, I was beginning to realise that I was bisexual, but I couldn't put a name to it. There were definitely relationships that I had with girls growing up that were more than just friendships, but I couldn't really put my finger on what they were. On top of all this angst, all this pressure that I was under, you know, to perform... I wasn't really able to be myself. I certainly felt like I can't live like this anymore. Our aim with these shows is to discuss solutions and raise awareness of very important issues which touches many of us. This is Life Matters with actor Davan Rees. Listen within your podcast provider by searching for Life Matters and visit zerosuicidealliance.com for a free online awareness course I wrote that could help you I think save six lives. Agents in London. One came back to me, CAM, and I'm still with him now. And then within six months, I got Casualty. He starred in two of Britain's biggest and most enduring drama series. He landed his first big role in Casualty in the 1990s, playing gay nurse Sam Colby. And he went on to play another huge role as Constable Rob Walker in the nostalgic Yorkshire TV drama Heartbeat. And when I started it, I didn't ride a motorbike, so I had to have these strapping props guys push me into shot without <laughs> seeing them and cut before you saw their hands on the back of the motorbike. I didn't feel very heroic at that point. <laughs> but there's much more to Jonathan Kerrigan than playing nurses and police officers. 
Join Ashley Byrne for a chat with one of Britain's most talented actors. Every Saturday morning we had a medical training. It'd be all these sort of medical procedures that were coming up in that episode. At one point, I felt confident in being able to perform an emergency needle cricothyroidotomy. But what came out of it is that I learned how to say it, but not necessarily how to do it well. It's dangerous because you get this, this part knowledge of things. I could sell it on camera, but suddenly you think you're probably more competent than you actually are. In conversation with Jonathan Kerrigan. Listen now at distinctnostalgia.com or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening so, to Bisexual Another Brunch. bisexual journey story. This time we're talking to uh, Laurie uh, from Pennsylvania. Laurie, I know, has become a bit of, bit of a fan of Bisexual Brunch. You've been listening to us... Uh, for quite some time now, Laurie, you've been sending us some fantastic messages on on Twitter and saying what a wonderful job we're doing. So thank you very much indeed for that. Um, lovely to talk to you. Tell us, if you can, um, when you first realised that you were actually bisexual, do you think? Um, so I know everybody's story is different, but there are some like commonalities between like, you know, figuring things out. So there have been like points throughout my life, throughout when I was younger. Um, but it wasn't until like high school, like, you know, after puberty, I started to like, like I was always infatuated with boys, but then like I noticed girls in the same way. But it wasn't until like really after college that I started examining that. And I, I wish I had done it and explored it in college, but that wasn't the case for me. Um, so yeah, it wasn't until after college where I really started like going to local gay clubs, um, started talking to more LGBTQ people. One of my closest friends, he's gay. Um, and it was like around that point, like 23, 24, where I was like, okay, this is, this is it. I'm going to stick with this. This is what feels right to me. Like if I had heard of the term pansexuality, um, when I was younger, maybe that would be more in my area because that's the way I feel. But I kind of go in line with like Robin Ox, if I'm pronouncing her last name right, her definition of bisexuality, being attracted to your same gender and those opposite of you. So I feel like that's more like inclusive. So when people ask me, I always say I'm bisexual and then they try to get into like the nitty gritty and be like, well, do you have a preference or whatever? I'm like, Yes, I do, sort of. Yes, there is some reasoning behind that question. That where I, like, I can see where people are coming from with that question. Um, but, I mean, bisexuality fits, like, me personally. Do you think, well, you mentioned there that you started to get into girls and women uh, later on, and before that you'd been mainly into into men into boys do you think though when you look back that you'd always had even from the very early years you'd always had some kind of attraction to girls or was this something do you think that sort of developed as you went along because of course there is the notion isn't there of, of sexuality developing and changing over time do you think it was something that hit you a certain time or do you think looking back you'd always been attracted to men and women kind of thing do you think yeah there's been there's been points of when I was like in elementary school, middle school, where I was in like infatuated with another student, like another female student, but not like in the sexual way. But it was just like I like I felt 
a different kind of connection to someone like another female versus like a guy if that makes sense and then it didn't like cross over from infatuation to like sexual desire until like probably like when I really started to like accept it and recognize it not until like later in high school maybe later in college and then post-college is when I was like okay like this is me and this fits like this feels right you often don't use it as a young person I think end up getting very close to often a best friend and sometimes that best friend ends up being you know somebody who usually actually somebody of the same of the same gender really doesn't it um and I think looking back in my experience I think I was pretty obsessed with a fair few boys over the time that I was at you know a high school kind of thing uh, who became good good friends really and I if I think back I probably did confuse that a bit occasionally in thinking that they were possibility not in a sexual sense but in the sense of you know wanting to take it further that they might be my you know a, a bit bit closer than just a friend you know what I mean and that's where you know emotional attachment that kind of thing and I think that's just a natural part of of becoming a human you know an adult isn't it really over time that's what that's what happens but of course as you say because we don't hear these other terms of you know we we hear as kids don't we and things like you know people getting married and you know mum and dad got married and there's weddings and things and it all all teams seems to generally focus around heterosexual images of things um and then we also i suppose in more recent times have realized that there are um you know gay people out there who are having relationships but nobody ever thinks about what else might be out there and that bisexuality might exist when you look back um do you think if there had been talk of that there had been um you know an admission somewhere along the lines whether being whether it be in society or in school or in your family or whatever that, that that there was this notion of bisexuality do you think you would have things that would have been would have been different for you you might have taken a different different path or got on got into this a bit earlier well you probably would have done but what i mean is how do you think it would have played out if if you'd known that bisexuality did exist oh that's a good question like i i grew up on I consumed a lot of TV, um, lots of pop culture, lots of reality, trashy TV. So I was already exposed to LGBTQ things, um, probably mostly just the L and the G, basically. Um, like on MTV, there's the real world. I watched Ellen. I was like 10 years old and I saw her puppy episode. Um, but I didn't know there was like, I don't want to say a middle ground, but like an in-between um, if I had known that, I, like that would have definitely clicked for me sooner. I'd be like, okay, like, I can, I can get behind this. But I was never like, because I, I always recognized my attraction to men, like in in middle school and high school, and there was like there was like some flicker of a flame in terms of being attracted to women. But I was like, well, I still have this attraction to men. So, like, I'm just straight, and little did I know that straight is a phase for me or was a phase for me. <laughs> that's that's a notion that we don't often hear, isn't it? I was I was straight for a while. It was a it was a phase I was going through. <laughs> and we should we should we should build on that. We should make that a regular thing to talk about. Um, I'm sure there are plenty of people out there who've gone through exactly the same thing. What um, when you started then, sort of uh, 
properly dating and after you'd realised that you were bisexual, so this might be more more recently, I don't know. What? Um, how have you found that in terms of the, the whole notion of being dating somebody, male or female or whatever, and, and being able to be honest and open about your sexuality? How's it, how's it been confronted? Uh, well, I don't have, I mean, I don't have much dating experience. I mean, I did like in my early twenties when I like moved out, um, on my own and I was going to clubs and stuff. Um, there was this one guy that I was dating and I was like, we went on like, it was like a second date and we met rather awkwardly at a club. We like, I was drunk and we made out like immediately after meeting, which I normally don't do or didn't at the time. And uh, we decided to go out for like, I think it was like Valentine's Day or something or after that, because we like met before, right before Valentine's Day. But anyways, we went out and I told him, I was like, look, if we're going to like pursue something here, or even if it is just casual dating, I have to let you know that I'm bisexual. I didn't feel like I needed to disclose that. Like, I don't feel like it, it matters with whoever I'm I'm with I mean like down the road it may matter like is a person wants to get to know me or whatever but um he had no problem with it he was just like oh okay like that he didn't even ask if I had dated um women or anything he was just like okay yeah that's fine because like he understood that it was just me and him like there's no implication that I was gonna like I gave him no idea that I was gonna like move on or cheat on him or whatever. But, um, other times I, I mean, I, when I was dated, I dated like one woman kind of dated sort of not really, but I, I found it funny that even in just talking to another woman that I was sort of dating, um, there's always that conversation of how did you figure out your sexuality? Whereas that never, like, a conversation like that never comes up in a hetero-presenting relationship. And when I was dating those other women, they didn't they didn't really ask about my sexuality. I mean, the one, she was also bisexual, and the other one, I, she was a lesbian, but, like, it didn't matter. And also, we were just casually dating, and I've, I've never really been in a serious relationship, as sad as that sounds, but... I mean, my my experiences in terms of dating have been like positive, no matter the gender. Yeah, yeah. Uh, can I ask how old you are now? How old are you now? Thirty-five. So, I mean, do you think that? I mean, how it seems that your experiences of actually dating have been pretty positive experiences, and you would hope, really, in this day and age, that you know younger generations would be fairly positive about these things and accepting of these things, but. Do you feel um do you feel that I suppose I mean you've engaged with us quite a bit on on Twitter on on different things to do with bisexuality. Do you think that um do you think the climate is getting better to be open around being bisexual or do you think there are th- we've still got hurdles to um get over in order to um be properly sort of recognized and for people to be wholly comfortable i mean are people are you finding more and more people are open with you generally i don't necessarily mean people you're dating but are more and more people in in the part of the world you live in in pennsylvania 
more open about being bisexual. I mean, we got those figures the other day, I think it was, that suggested that uh, half of the people who identify as LGBTQI in America um, are uh, identifying as bisexual. Is that the reality on the ground? Are people being more open about it, do you think? Um, well, in my experience, I ha- obviously I have a lot of straight friends and just, just the way it goes. Um, I... When I would tell people that I'm bi years ago, this is like I'm talking like 10 years ago, even like five, six years ago, when I would tell people um, because they would automatically assume that I'm a lesbian because of, you know, the stereotypes like, look at me, I don't have makeup on. I'm wearing like this hoodie and wearing a T-shirt, but they would I would clarify that no I'm bisexual and then they would ask like the awkward questions like what's your preference well if you've never been with a man blah blah blah. but and then like the one time this woman approached me at a party like she didn't approach me I knew her she was an acquaintance and I said yeah I'm bisexual and she for some reason felt the need to in that moment like thrust her chest at me and I was like I have a bubble here there's like there's space you're in it and I don't like it um but Again, that was like 10 years ago. But more recently, um, there's been times where I have just, I just like being open. I don't know if it's like I just like to get people's attention or be the center of attention. But there have been instances where I have just come right out and said it or like made a comment about a woman or like a movie star, TV star, whatever, just to like test the waters of a person that I was talking with. Like, I don't want to stereotype them, but I had an inkling, like not necessarily gaydar, but like there's an inkling there. And by me being open and saying like general comments about LGBTQ things that allowed them to be open with me. And these are younger people, like six, seven years younger than me, because I, in one instance, I I was doing a lot with like a local college um, volunteering fundraising. I was doing fundraising stuff and I would come across a lot of students and he felt this one student felt the need to like open up to me and he sat me down and he was asking me questions about like lgbtq stuff i guess because he didn't really nobody to talk to or maybe i was like the first like person that was like out about it um there was another instance like five six years ago where i met this kid at some screening thing for the show orphan black which is i was a bbc canadian show um and we were standing in line. He was the youngest one there. He wasn't talking to anybody. And I had just showed up and we started talking and he like confided in me that he's gay. And this is his first time like going to a thing like this because Orphan Black had such a big LGBTQ following because one of the characters is a lesbian and she was dating a bisexual character. And yeah, so like by, just by me being there and talking to him he felt comfortable with like with coming out and but i feel like it is younger generations that are more comfortable um because the first instance that i gave you where that girl awkwardly came on to me at a party even though she was straight which was weird um she was she's only like a couple years younger than me and but locally in terms of pennsylvania i don't really get out much because there is a pandemic still going on <laughs> And um, there is a local LGBT community center 
that I tried to volunteer at, but unfortunately due to time and uh, having other volunteering responsibilities, I wasn't able to like latch on to them. Like I, I thought I was able to, um, I wish I could though. So, yeah, I mean, it's interesting, isn't it? What you were saying about the, uh, the woman who thrust herself at you. Do you, um, feel that, um, that, that generally though is an issue sometimes that people who don't necessarily know much about bisexuality or what it means in essence or haven't come across people who are bisexual that they that they do think that really what bisexuality can mean or does mean is that actually um yeah you're attracted to men and women but actually that more than anything it means that you're likely to be oversexual more intersex than gay people or straight people and that you know that's the big thing the sex in bisexual is the big thing that you sort of you're saying to people if you say you're bisexual you're saying to people you know what i enjoy sex in all sorts of different dimensions do you think that is an issue and do you think it's a problem for us as a as a set of people who identify as bisexual going forward i mean obviously we can educate people but do you think just in that word do you think it causes or can cause bisexual people issues in terms of how they're perceived yeah um definitely yeah like you guys have mentioned on the podcast about like people can't really separate the sex part of bisexual um i mean years ago it was more prevalent for me when i would tell people that i'm that i'm bisexual i mean i would try and shorten it but then they'd be like what and then i'd be like bisexual and they'd be like oh okay i know what that is but um there have been people that have like i had a friend who was like he was like going around dating and dating all these different girls. And he, he was like, Oh, so you're, you're greedy. And I was like, what are you talking about? Like, I've told you a million times that I'm single. And then he would show me his phone. He has like all these different contacts of all these girls that he was talking to at a club. But I feel like now it's kind of, I don't want to say that pansexuality has erased bisexuality, but pansexuality is more, prevalent and it's interesting that when people talk about pansexuality they don't recognize the sex part They're, like celebrities like you know when they say like i'm pan and whatever and expand on that in articles but there's a, a weird i guess by erasure i don't know i i feel like there is but i just conflate the two even though technically people separate the two i mean I want to say that there are people now are recognizing bisexuality, pansexuality as being separate from like not including the sex part all the time. I mean, I hope that's the case. Yeah, no, no, I agree. I agree. I think though that whether it's bisexuality or pansexuality, and I know there are su- subtle differences between the different things, but it, it, it just feels to me that we we need to get to a point where people just accept that we don't, that people generally don't have to be put into little boxes, basically. And and the whole thing about being bisexual or pansexual is that, let's face it, everyone is varying degrees of different things anyway, you know what I mean? And it can change throughout your life as well, can't it? We can, you know, there might be a period of time when you're really into women or you're really into men or whatever it may be, and that, that alters quite a bit. So, but it's getting society to be, you know, sophisticated enough to, 
to understand all that. And it, it frustrates me that we're in 2021 and, and people still struggle with these notions. But I suppose it's because there isn't a great deal of role models out there, you know. When it comes to you personally, though, do you think that you're the kind of person that, obviously, we talk about it a lot on Bisexual Brunch where by, you know, we talk about people being in monogamous relationships and we emphasise that a lot because we, we, we don't want people generally to think that bisexual people are only interested in lots of sex and have lots of partners and all the rest of it. Um, but obviously, we've also said that we shouldn't be ashamed of that either. If people want to do that and they want lots of partners, they want to have different relationships or whatever, then that shouldn't be a problem. We shouldn't be we shouldn't be apologising for that. How do you see yourself? Are you the kind of person, do you think, I suppose it depends on the situation, but are you the kind of person really that would like to be in a monogamous relationship? Or what's your, how do you see all that kind of thing going forward? Oh, yeah, definitely a monogamous relationship. I mean, I can't even take care of myself, so I'm, how am I going to take care of, like, multiple people? <laughs> like, I, like I, I understand polygamy, polyamory. I, I understand that. I get the concept because people believe that, like, humans aren't made to be monogamous. And, and we do go from partner to partner, relationship to relationship. Some people are serial monogamous, but they're still moving from person to person. Um, and my idea of that is like, I, I want to be with one person and hopefully it'll be sooner rather than later. Cause I'm starting to get some gray hairs, <laughs> but I never saw, um, polyamory is like a, a thing for me. I mean, even though like there's like representation on back in the day, like early two thousands when reality TV competition shows were like at their height. There was that show Tila Tequila on MTV, um, and she was, like, going through men and women on her show. I mean, it's the same concept as The Bachelor, Bachelorette, where there's, you know, one one person, and they go through, like, trying to find their one person. But I feel like in that show, it kind of exacerbated the stereotype of sleeping around, even though it's the same con- like it's the same concept on The Bachelor, like, there's the one guy going through multiple women. But I feel like just because of the fact that there's all those genders, there's men and women and contestants, I, I thought it was, like, it it was representation, yes, but it wasn't great representation, if that makes sense. Um, so it kind of played up into the, the non-monogamy part of the bisexual stereotype, even though there are bisexuals who are not monogamous and who don't mind having multiple partners dating around whatever that's fine that's just not i'm not suited for that yeah like like there are straight people and and and, and gay people who go around and enjoy themselves in, in multiple partners and all the rest of it you know we we, we 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 just happen to have as you say we happen to have the word sex in our title so everyone thinks we're all at it <laughs> which we're not um and uh what about people you're open to then about your bisexuality are you out to everybody you're out to your family are you out to people close to you like that um out to my my friends um pretty much out to like any acquaintance i have on facebook <laughs> just because the, of the stuff i post on facebook not sexual stuff obviously because that would be weird yeah um but like i'll do like little posts on facebook every coming out day i'll put like by the way it's coming out day like i like to make bisexual jokes like that puns but um in terms of family like they have an idea but they probably assume that i'm a lesbian 
just because probably because they don't know what bisexuality is or they don't recognize the what the B in LGBTQ is. Um, I came out to my sister when I was, I think I was like 20, 26, 25, 26. And she was fine. She's like, well, are you going to tell her parents? And I was like, well, I don't know. She's like, maybe if you're in a relationship with a woman, then maybe. But if you're not, then what's the point? Like, even if you're single or in your or you're in a relationship with a guy, like, what's the point? And I was like, but I'm still like, even if I'm single or with a guy, I'm still closing off that part of me. And I think, like, once I said that, I think she sort of got it. Um, But, I mean, I told my dad, and he's like, whatever, as long as you're happy. Like, he was fine with it, which I'm very, I'm very fortunate about. He's He's got, like, deadpan humor like that. But I haven't told my mom. Um, I don't know why. I, I feel like there's, like, there's, like, always this weight on my shoulder when I want to bring it up. Even though I've, like, there have been hints throughout my life where she has been like, okay. Like, she probably knows that I'm different, but, she, like, I don't want to say that she assumes that I'm a lesbian, but she did ask me recently. She's like, are you dating any, like, are you dating someone you should find a guy or a girl? And I was like, uh, no, I'm single, ma. So I just left it at that. I don't, like, it's weird, like, like with my dad, I was like, I'm going to tell him, just because, and I was 26, and here we are, like, 10 years later, and I still haven't told my mom, but I'm sure she has some idea. I mean, I don't feel like it's a big, like, pomp and circumstance thing that I personally <laughs> have to go through with yeah, them, Yeah. and I'm, I'm fortunate that they're, like, they're open-minded enough to be accepting. Yeah, no, I, I think, I think you're right. But I also think, as you say, that, you know, it's important to you, whether you, if you get into a relationship at some point, that, that people do know that you are, you know, bisexual in the sense, it's just important to, for the, you know, for, just to, and it's important to me for my partner to realize that I'm bisexual. You know, he happens to be gay. Uh, he hasn't got a problem with it or anything like that, but I think it would be, it just be, I don't know, it just feels like we, we should at least be, well, not be frightened of being open to people about the fact that we're, you know, we, we like um, uh, men and women and um, and in different genders and whatever. Um, and I suppose that this is where the whole issue of bi erasure comes in massively, isn't it? Because um, it's all right people saying, oh, they accept people for being bisexual they're not bothered kind of thing but then when you get comments like you got from your sister which was along the lines of well does it matter you shouldn't bother you know it sort of it undermines your your identity doesn't it to an extent because your identity is more than you know there's two there's ele- different elements to it and those different those elements of attraction bring out different elements in your personality as well don't they you know what i mean so it's important to to acknowledge those isn't it really what um so what about just down to basics now for a second? What kind of men and what kind of women do you tend to go for? You know, in both in terms of looks and personality, what's your uh, what's your type? Chris Evans, Captain America, and I can't think of a woman at the moment. I normally go for like brunettes, like not people that look like me, but like brunettes. I don't know why, and. But there's been points where I've been, like, I've seen, like, an attractive 
a woman or a guy or whatever that's blonde and like I could go for a blonde but but in terms of like physicality it's like I don't know someone who's like taller than me because I'm pretty short and although height doesn't really matter but brunettes generally but really what it comes down to is personality above everything else because there there's been a there was an instance where I was into this woman and I thought she was attractive personally and then she said something and then I was like never mind turned off turned off but yeah it it definitely comes down like like obviously attraction plays or like physicality plays a role but personality is like the number one thing as long as you're honest empathetic and you're funny then like you're it and do you think there do you think there are similarities between the men and women that you go for you know do you think there are you know that certain types of person because i find that generally i go for fairly soft gentle you know occasionally i'm 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 sort of um shocked by you know might be some really strong man or woman and i think oh they're really attractive but then generally no i tend to go for fairly sort of um soft and gentle kind of people both men and women kind of thing um but are there certain are there certain personality types that you go for do you think in both in both men and women i like i want to say like well for guys i like masculine i like that like masculine comfort if that makes sense um but for women it's just i like feminine women Uh, i'm not i like i don't want to play up gender roles or anything but i'm not really i'm not feminine presenting myself like i feel like i am but also people would perceive me as not being so because I don't wear makeup often and um, I tend to prefer like pants to skirts and dresses. So maybe that's why I prefer feminine women. It's just, it's just interesting because everyone, you know, everyone's got, obviously everyone's got different types and different things. And it's just sort of, we, we don't, again, we don't all fit into neat little boxes. And the other question we always ask, of course, is um, just because going back to the whole, you know, the, the whole Kinsey scale, which focused on bisexuality, of course, in the 1950s. Do you, um, would you say that your attraction to men and women is 50-50, 60-40? And which direction would you say it was? Um, I When I was younger, I was, th- I was thinking a lot about that when I was like coming to terms with my sexuality um, because I, I prefer, I thought at the time I preferred the mas- masculine comfort of like, of a guy, of a, a cis identifying guy. But over time, and maybe I was just covering up the, you know, how society plays into my perceptions of sexuality and gender and people and whatever. Um, over time, I realized that I, I prefer I mean, I don't want to say preference, but like I would say I'm like 70 percent into women and 30 percent into guys like I'm I'm physically attracted to guys, but I'm physically and romantically attracted to women. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting that because we uh, I remember Nikki and I did a, a program for the BBC a few years ago and we interviewed a whole group of people, about 20 odd, I think, different people from one group in Birmingham, in the UK. And um it was really strange to hear these, you know, I'd never really thought of it properly before that there were people, loads of people who were attracted to, um, you know, men more, this was men more attracted to men more emotionally, 
but more physically attracted to women. So, you know, they were wanting to have sex with women on a regular basis, but they felt closer and more attached to a man when it came to hugging and cuddling and emotion. It's weird, isn't it? People, you know, I don't mean weird in a bad way. I mean, weird in the sense of, you know, I think sometimes society makes us think of things in a very basic black and white way around uh, these things and actually it's not it's really really complex and obviously it depends on the person and everything doesn't it so it's really really quite quite interesting um recently we've been engaging on the program and also um on social media of course about this conversation about um whether or not the um the lgbt community could be uh, nicer to each other and uh, we had a an episode as you know when we were talking about some research that had been done about um um interminority stress and prejudice and i know i think you you posted a few comments on on twitter about this let's talk about that a little bit i mean it it's always frustrated me that within the lgbt community which i've frequented quite a bit over the years that there's always been a degree of sort of bitchiness and hatred towards different communities within the community you think to yourself what is all that about? You know, why, why, do, why are we so in certain areas? And I know this is a case, you know, in, in Britain and obviously over in America where the research was done, where you are. Um, but I think it's the same all over the world that there seems to be a, a tendency within the LGBTQI community to um, create enemies, doesn't there, in certain areas? What, what do you think all that's about? And have you experienced it yourself? Well, the answer to that first part, I think it's about superiority. Um, and what it probably comes down to is the fact that white men are seen as like like the head of society, basically. Like we're definitely living in a patriarchy, no matter where we are in the world. So I can't speak for like the Stonewall movement, but like there, at first when I was first re- researching and looking into it, they were put at the forefront. But then you find out about like how there's trans gender activists um there was a bisexual woman who was a big part of the stonewall movement um and it even played into so that like superiority of these gay men like being at the sort of at the forefront of the stonewall movement that played into that has played into pop culture and and movies and tv specifically like look at there's so many shows that are written by gay men and even on shows like glee which was groundbreaking at the time back in 2009. Um, Glee had that great character of Kurt and he was going through the coming out process and, and figuring himself out. But along the way, then he starts bashing bisexuality and it wasn't just his character. There's another character. There was a character who was actually supposedly bisexual. I mean, she said she was, but then her girlfriend's making comments and then like behind the scenes, you realize there's two gay men that created the show, two white gay men that created the show, which is really interesting. Like you're, you're fine with going through this whole process, the whole trauma of coming out and dealing with that. But then at the same time, you're inflicting that same trauma onto this bi character. I mean, the bi character is a very dumbed down character, at least in the beginning. I stopped watching like towards the second season. But, and then there's like other instances of bisexuality being bashed in other shows like Sex and the City that also has a, a gay white male creator, co-creator. Um, 
so I think that subconsciously is played into people who are like seeking out these shows. Like, cause Sex and the City it does have did have a big LGBTQ following, and I think those like even just the slightest comments, even if it's just one episode, like on Sex and the City, I think that plays into like the subconscious of how people then perceive themselves or perceive others. So like my my. And the second part of your question, I did have a roommate who I lived with him for three years. We were really close. We went out a lot. We went to we actually have a local club here um, in the southeastern Pennsylvania where I met called Stonewall, which I didn't even realize. I didn't even know about the actual Stonewall because I heard about this place first. But whatever. Um, so we would go to Stonewall a lot. And um, so he was there when I was like figuring my sexuality out and he would make some like random disparaging jokes about lesbians, which I was like, okay. And then once I got into like the nitty gritty of being like, like having a sit down conversation with him, he'd be like, no, you're, you're just going through a phase or, or then he would switch to, he'd switch gears and say, no, you're just a lesbian. I'm like, I'm not just anything. Um, and our relationship kind of went sour from from there on now because he felt like he was superior. I don't know if it's because like he went through a lot of trauma and his own coming out that could have played a part. Um, he was from New York City, though, so he got to see a lot of diversity there, whereas here where I'm from, there's not much diversity. I mean, there is, but like it's not you don't walk down the street here. You have to, you know use a car to get everywhere whereas in New York you're on the subway you're around so many different people on a daily basis and in his personal life he did go through a little bit of trauma in terms of coming out and his family finding out about him so I think I don't know if he was projecting or like he thought he was he was then the authority on other people and their sexuality but it was really hurtful and it's just a repeated thing of like constant like you're a lesbian you're a lesbian I'm like okay you can think that, and but I'm not. And there have been other people um, that I've seen, like, online that say, like, you know, bash bisexuality. And they happen to be gay people or lesbians. And sometimes there have been, like, exclusionary comments from lesbians. Like, this is our space. You need to leave. When somebody tries to, like, interject, which obviously... It wasn't their place to interject, but it always turns sour when like a bisexual enters the room. I've had friends of mine, uh, gay friends of mine, who I'm still friends with, um, who just basically they laugh at bisexuality. They they literally do not think it exists. It's like, you know, sorry, it doesn't exist. It's nonsense. Sorry, you're gay. You know, you don't. It doesn't. Bisexuality just doesn't exist. And because I've been largely in. Um, gay relationships, gay-facing relationships, of course, they they assume that that is the case, that somehow I'm, by saying I'm bisexual, I'm somehow sort of trying to sort of um, impress straight people or or sort of hide what I really am, you know. I think it's just by saying you're bisexual, I think you're just, and by being open and honest about it, I think you're just recognising the fact that you are attracted to to varying degrees to your own gender and other genders. And just because you're expressing that you have that attraction, that doesn't mean that that's going to be the case in your own personal relationship. And that attraction doesn't necessarily go away once you're in that either in a same sex relationship or a hetero facing relationship. 
but it's just acknowledging the fact that you have that capacity within yourself to be attracted to anyone um talking about you were mentioning there about um tv programs in the states and films and things in the states that um depict uh bisexuality in a particular way we've just had a huge one over here called it's a sin which i think we talked about in one of the programs which is written by one of our foremost writers called russell t davis who and it's all about the hiv and aids um pandemic in the early 80s um and it's very well done really really well done and a lot of it i i mean i was only a little boy at the time but i do remember the the sort of the the fear factor and i also remember that kind carrying on about 10 years later when i was starting to you know indulge in the lgbtqi scene but um he doesn't tackle bisexuality much at all in fact doesn't really even mention it apart from the fact the characters that are in the program in the series who you sort of think of negatively happen to all be bisexual so there's a pred- very pre- a middle-aged predatory, predatory character who happens to be bisexual and there's no discussion of why he's sort of the way he is which is probably because he's been in the closet for donkey's years and you know it's he's, he's coming he's, he's starting oh, he's the he's the boss at the the shop right? yeah i think so i think that's the one yeah and you know he, he thinks he's oh yeah you know people the impression is always dirty old man all the rest of it but he will be acting in a way which is part of the the oppression that he's been under so you've got you've got all that there and there's just no sort of um and also, the other thing is, bisexual people, as you're probably aware from maybe from studying it yourself or hearing about it, during the AIDS and HIV pan- pandemic, were really attacked for you know the perception was that they were spreading it between you know from gay people to straight people and to women and all the rest of it, you know. So um, there is a story there that's not been told, you know. So it's. Um, it's quite it's quite sad that that's the case. I mean, I'm not, you know, I know the guy and I'm not criticising because I think he did a very good job and maybe he didn't have a massive amount of time to put in the into the four programmes. Did you manage to see the series and have you managed to get it in? Is it, is it being shown in America? Um, yeah, it's on HBO Max, which is like the app version of HBO, sort of. Um, I just started watching it. I saw the first episode and the main character, I forget, well, I guess he's the main character, um, Ali Alexander's character. Um, he does mention that he's bisexual, but then what's funny is that in the next episode, he talks about when he's going through his whole rigmarole of HIV and AIDS, um, he's saying, like, he made a comment about bisexual people. It was a funny comment about, like, bisexual people getting it, like, every other week or something, (laughs) or every other day or something. But it was so, like, he said it in, like, a in like a third person sort of way, like not applying it to himself. So I'm like, is he, is his character by, or is he not? Cause like there's been TV shows that have, that, where a character has, they, they've either said they're by and then later on, it's just forgotten. Like they don't need to say it continuously. I think that, I think that, I think the story is the narrative really is in that. And in a lot of them, is often that they're on some kind of journey. And again, that is often the perception among, among gay men that basically the whole thing of, you know, buy now, gay later kind of thing, that you're you're on some kind of journey, you know, which is, uh, you know, obviously some people probably can be, but, it, you know, generally it's not. And, and, you know, I think that's quite quite scary. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's great that he's done the series because um, bizarrely the HIV AIDS story has been, lost quite a lot in recent years here we did we'd not had a massive i mean when i was growing up in the 
in the you know I was in my early twenties in the nineties. It was everywhere. Everyone knew about HIV and AIDS, and everyone took precautions and things. But in the last sort of 15, 20 years, I think there's been less and less of it, and a lot of the younger generations don't even know about it. You know, which I think is quite quite scary. So it's been nice. It's been good to have that there, and it's it's been a real hit here. It's been done really well. So what I thought was interesting. I didn't mean to cut you off there, but I never saw angels in America. I don't know why. Just like gay male storylines didn't interest me that much when I was a lot younger. Um, but watching this show, it's interesting to see the perception or the creator's perception, or maybe it is the perception as a whole or was at the time of how they perceived the Americans being the ones to like spread it around and bring it over, which I never saw that viewpoint before. Like I've seen, like I saw the real world. I didn't see the very first season with them, which I think his name was Pedro. I forget with that one character um, or guy actually, because it was a reality show. He had, he had a HIV. Um, So it was, it was prevalent in the nineties, at least on like MTV, VH1, those kinds of networks. I think, I I think the, 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 growing up in the UK, um, at the time, I would have been, what, 81, I've been 9, 10. So I used to see all the stuff on the news. But the I think the reason everyone perceived it as being being to do with America was because all the stories we got were on the news here were of um, people uh, dropping dead in LA, San Francisco, New York. And, of course, you'd had that period in the 90, late 70s where uh gay liberation was a big thing ymca all that kind of thing and you know it was all perceived as being quite positive at that time and then bang comes hiv aids and of course within a few years you'd also got you know i think the the biggest star originally was rock hudson who died um you know it was it was at the time was was a film star and he was in dynasty and all the rest of it so that became so it was a perception that it was not only a gay disease but it was also an american disease so everyone thought in britain thought oh they were safe until people came over and whatever obviously it was a load of nonsense but that was part of the part of the perception at, at, at the time but yeah no it's it's interesting but going back to your just your own personal story of of, of being um being uh bisexual i mean we've talked here about the whole issue of coming out, the whole issue of, of coming to terms with it, of dating. Uh, we've talked a bit about how people perceive bisexual people, etc. Um, what do you think about the whole notion of a bisexual community? I mean, in a way, we're creating one a little bit through doing bisexual brunch, I think, which is nice, and it's nice to be able to speak to bisexual people. But I can tell you now, I can, you know, on one hand, I can tell you the people that I know um, I count on one hand the people I know, um, you know, very well who are bisexual. Very few people who are openly bisexual that I know. And in terms of the numbers of people I've met or numbers of people I've spoken to who are bisexual, I've probably done that more through doing bisexual brunch than I've ever done before. So I suppose what I'm trying to say is, from your perspective, you know, are there lots of bisexual people you know? Um, and if there aren't, do you think there's a need for us to find some way physically beyond podcasts and things but in a in a more you know uh, sort of um day-to-day way to try and bring people who genuinely um you know sort of uh, identify themselves as bisexual together in some way do you think there's a potential we could create some kind of 
um, community like the LG, so like the lesbian and gay community have done over the years? I don't know any bisexual people. I don't think I knew there. There was one woman I knew, but I don't think she she's not really out about it, or she didn't choose to define like put a label on it. Um, my friends are either straight or they're gay or lesbian. Like, I, there's no, I'm the only one that's in between. Um, I do, like, I seek out a lot of things, um, online, like on Twitter, which is how I found you guys, which I'm very thankful for because, like, I always seek out the, the bi community only online though like in person it's different because of where i live in where i live at i don't live in a big city i'm like 45 minutes from from philly or philadelphia um so i'm not about to like travel there every other every weekend or whatever or try to find some lgbtq things there because gas costs money is, 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 is philadelphia <laughs> is philadelphia quite, quite a liberal city or oh yeah yeah there's um i went there several years ago with my roommate actually uh, and there was this one area of the city where they had like rainbow rainbow flags and stuff and it's a gayborhood on some signs um yeah it's very very liberal um um and there's other cities around here that are are that do have do follow that like they have like rainbow stuff around um but it's a bit more conservative where you are is it more conservative um it? no well in this area, yet, yeah, like right where I'm at, yes, it's conservative. But, um, like in the, I work for, not to get off track here, but I work for one university, a Catholic university, and, but I work on the campus of another Catholic university, and the differences between the two are like staggering. I would have to, the other, the university that I work for is in Scranton, Pennsylvania, and so I would, have to go there sometimes for work related things and I remember one time we went there for some event related to the program that I work for and there was like big mural like big signs that said coming out day celebration which is amazing it's a catholic university that's like I don't even know how old it is probably like I don't know early early 1950s and then there's the campus that I work on that is is lagging behind I mean, like you can see behind me, I have the the rainbow flag. I have I have this right here. I I have a little rainbow flag in front of me, but I can do that because the people that I work for have fostered that and have allowed me to do that, and I kind of pushed to do that too. But the campus itself, they had no rainbow anything, nothing like. I mean, not that they need to, but like. If you're gonna ha- start to have a diverse student population, you kind of need to open up your open yourself up a little bit. So there have been I saw a little rainbow flag thing on some some office door recently. So they are starting to open up, but yeah, this area in general where I live at is very conservative. But I'm not that far from like big metropolitan areas, like the LGBTQ center. I I tried to volunteer at that's in like the heart of the third largest city in Pennsylvania. And they do have, they have different events and galas, fundraisers, and they have little meetings for um, trans women, trans men. They have meetings like a lesbian meetings, gay meetings. They do not have bisexual meetings 
which is yeah. th- there's either no interest or nobody wants to spearhead it. I mean, the last time I checked, there wasn't anything, and I follow them on, on Facebook, social media, and stuff, and I never see – maybe I just miss it, but I never really see any, like, bisexual, like, meetups or anything like that. I wish there were. I, I would go to it, I mean, via Zoom at this point. You'll have to set one up but, yourself. You'll have to set one up yourself. <laughs> yeah. But that's why I I don't know. I forget how I came across you guys, but I do follow a lot of bisexual resources on Twitter. Like there's like some L.A. bisexual thing. I'm not on the West Coast or anywhere near it. But I just think it'd be nice to be in a situation whereby, I mean, there are things, as you say, online. There are, there's always been opportunities and on a sexual sense for people to meet people who want to enjoy themselves with men and women etc we know that that's you know that's that but but I, but but you know you you don't just want that people want people want to be able to communicate and meet people who are uh, bisexual in a in a in a broader broader sense i think and um it just feels to me that wouldn't it be great to be in a situation whereby you know instantly when you're meeting a few pe- a few people in one particular setting that you're all on the on the same playing field, you're all thinking the same way. You all realise that, you know, you don't have to explain anything. You know, I'm not saying you don't want to necessarily date a straight or gay person, but um, I just sometimes feel it would be... I mean, the great great thing about having those conversations between Lewis, me and Nikki, which, by the way, you know, we all live in different places and, you know, we all know each other, but we don't know each other that well, but we've, know, we've got to know each other a lot better through having these conversations and we're realising that there is something quite unique about being bisexual i think we've realized that um you know you've heard it on the shows but i think there's a we feel as though there's a great greater deal of tolerance about bouncers as individuals i think we're not you know there's all these issues today of you know um silencing people for this view and that view and all the rest of it which is horrific really it's not it's very undemocratic um and yet you know we're showing that we can have difference of opinion and still get on with each other and all the rest of it and it sort of feels like it feels like although we're that the show is about bisexuality it feels as though we're sort of creating a i don't know a sort of um a, a, a sort of a voice for I don't know, sort of, um, what's the word? I mean, Lewis would say centrism, wasn't it? But it does feel as though that we, we, we you know, because we're not going to different extremes and we're not sort of, you know, having a, a big row about things and all the rest of it all the time, that um, there's another way, you know what I mean? And I feel as though that's probably what bisexuality in, as an identity is all about. The fact that, the, you know, you can, well, it's all about collaboration, isn't it? It's all about you know sharing different types and different ways i think we're just all very much more open i mean do you, do you find that do you think that's part of your identity as a bisexual person that you're much more open to things and sort of tolerant of things is that part of it do you think yeah um i even when i was even when i was a kid i would i i come from an interesting family makeup and i'm the second oldest or third oldest depending on how you're looking at my family um but I always wanted to like I liked my my space but I also like to be open and kind of the center of attention depending on what was going on and then as I got older and more into like social justice things and learning about diverse things and and really looking into I don't know, the history of anything or, or like the tragedy of like whatever anything is going on I would always 
be the one to bring it up. I always sought out a way to, to bring it up. And then that played into my bisexuality when I, I learned about like Stonewall and the fact that people don't, they think like, they think LGBTQ is like this brand new thing, but it's not. (laughs) So I always make a point to be like, no, like there's so many examples throughout history and not just talking about the Greeks. I'm talking about like, in like American literature, there have been books that were written in like, the the forties even or even before then. I remember reading like I read The Price of Salt, which was the basis for the movie Carol. I read it like five or six years ago. My mind was blown. I was like, people were like Patricia Highsmith, the author, was talking about things like she didn't have wor- she didn't have the exact words for it like we do now, but she was asking those questions like why can't why should this affect anything? Why should same sex love affect anything? And she herself had flings with men and women and it's interesting now how people are like they either some people don't want to hear about it they're like no no no, I don't think bisexuality is a thing or I don't get why gay people need to get married or whatever um but I'm I think that I'm the one to like always speak up I mean in comparison to other people that I know and I'm always the one to like bring up these social things and social justice things it just so happens that like even though I'm a, a white woman I am still a minority in some ways I mean not like you wouldn't tell by me looking at me because I look like like a librarian with my glasses and my brown short hair <laughs> but I do make a point to like even though I'm putting myself out there and like expressing the fact that I am technically a minority in some aspects I like I don't mind it as long as I'm being vocal about it and I wish that other bisexual people at least within my local community could be as vocal maybe I'm just missing them somehow or I don't know but like or maybe it's because of my age um like if you if I go on any dating app there's like tons of people that are tons of women men that say they're bi on dating apps but they're 10 plus years younger than me But in terms of millennials, I think we're the ones that started to speak up more. I mean, people have always spoken up, but like, you know what I mean? Like, it's more like it became more prevalent, like, as the generations get younger. And now Gen Z is like super vocal about it. Like, they don't see it as any sort of issue. At least that's in my experience from like seeing things on Twitter and, and Facebook and dating apps. No, I agree. I agree. I mean, the, the big thing for me is uh, I'm older I'm in my 40s, but is that how many people are out there who are my age and upwards um, who have been bisexual for years and just haven't been able to be open about it? I mean, it's just it's mind boggling, really. And you just think to yourself, how what an effect of effect has, would that, has that had on people over their lives? And, you know, how, how has it made them feel? And just not being able to be open about it, you know. And, and uh, I mean, Nikki's mum came out to her in the 60s and said, actually, I've been bisexual all my life. And, um, you know, it, it, it's... Um it's quite, it's quite, it's quite scary, really, when you think about it in that that way. Um, just the final question, then. Um, what do you... Everyone answers this in different ways and obviously has a different take on it. What would you say is the best thing, then? What's the, what's the special thing about being bisexual what you know if you would say if somebody to say to you well 
you know, what, what is it that you like about being able to identify as bisexual? And, you know, tell, tell me what, what's the most positive thing about it, do you think? Um, like I mentioned earlier, I think it's like, it's the fact that bisexual people, I mean, I can't speak for all bisexual people, and I'm in no way a monolith for the bisexual community in any way or, or any way locally, but I feel like we have... Well, you'll be a role capacity. model after this interview. You'll be a role model yeah. after this interview. You realize this, yeah. don't you? <laughs> I feel like I feel like we have uh the capacity to recognize the like that people humans are attractive and we have the I I'm not saying other people other sexual other sexualities don't have the empathy or the that same capacity but like I don't know just for me personally being bisexual it definitely informs how I how I view other people like I like yeah there's sex involved but like in general it just informs how I view straight people how I view gay people how I view people who don't fit in into any binary in terms of gender or sexuality um because I I feel like I have the capacity to like be accepting of of everyone if that makes sense. It does. It does make sense. Laurie, it's been lovely to talk to you um, for Bisexual Brunch, and I'm sure there'll be lots of people who hopefully have identified with what you've been saying. Certainly we've been, you know, we've been getting some fantastic um, responses from people about um, the various stories they've been hearing um, in all parts of the world, and it's really heartening because we get letters and we get correspondence in lots of different ways. Um, from lots of people who, of all ages actually, who are just crying out to be able to be open about themselves. And uh, if we can do a little bit by doing this in that way, then that's fantastic, you know. But it's um, in my, in a way, I'd still find it quite scary that we're in 2021, and in a way, we're having to do this. Do you know what I mean? You just think to yourself. Shouldn't we be further on by now, in a way? You know what I mean? I suppose we'll get there eventually. But uh, but, uh, but thank you very much indeed for talking to us. It's been brilliant. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And I think what you guys are doing is amazing. Thank you. Bisexual Brunch is produced with love by MIM. And if you like what we do, why not support us on Patreon? Visit patreon.com forward slash bisexual brunch. Thank you and original. Fen, I assure you that I have not come here to murder you, however tempted I may be. A terse 40 minute drama set in a US correctional facility. Oh, I see. You wish to be sent to the electric chair. Yeah. Oh, oh no, 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 Mr. Fen. That would not do at all. Starring the award-winning Joe Sims. In short, Mr. Fenton, you are what may be regarded as disposable humanity. Don't you dare think that I started all of this out of political ambitions. Yes, sir. Yes, Mr. Daniels, I do think that. And to show you that there is such a thing as redemption. To show you that you are educable and have potential. Show me? Show me, Mr. Daniels? I think you're done showing me my potential. As we forgive them. Available now. To place yourself in the center of a dream doesn't make it a bad one. And this dream, my dream, in whatever depths of despair it may have been born, has become the start of something real. Listen at distinctnostalgia.com 
or search for Distinct Drama wherever you get your podcasts. Only on Distinct Nostalgia. When I ran out of children's books, I used to read from Woman's Own. Who knew a four-year-old would be gripped by an article on cross-stitch? We're uniting the ages with Generation Games, a series of comedy and drama monologues and duologues coming exclusively to Distinct Nostalgia. Stories exploring connections, friendships and relationships between people across different age groups, beginning with Missing You, starring June Brown and Sam Barnard. Mum thinks I need protecting, but I don't need protecting from love. Pity that social worker of his can't do something useful for a change. Contact the noise abatement lot. Put in a complaint. I like her, I said. And then, silence. What's the problem? I asked. She'll take advantage of you, Mum warned. Missing You by Richard Verjet. With the legendary June Brown only on Distinct Nostalgia. More. You're listening to Bisexual Brunch. So then, we're coming to the end of another Bisexual Brunch, another mammoth Bisexual Brunch. Um, keep you uh, keep keep you all uh, entertained with our, uh, our our ramblings, don't we, Nikki? We've certainly got lots of ramblings, lots of things to say. We have lots of things to get off our chest every time. <laughs> um, we never run out of stuff to say. We never run out of stuff to say, absolutely. Now then, um, we're going to set you a challenge in a moment, actually. Um, but before we do, um, it's all around the issue of songs and songs with bisexual lyrics within them. Now, when I came to looking at this, I thought to myself, I don't think there are many. There can't be that many. You've got, you know, but actually, um, doing just doing a little, tiny bit of research, I realised actually there are a lot of songs that have hinted at or talked about bisexuality. And going back to what we were talking about earlier on, it's weird, isn't it? Because these things are are never sort of focused on. They end up in these in these songs and these pop songs and things, but nobody ever really focuses on it and, and makes a big thing about it. So again, by erasure kind of thing. So um, I gave you a list earlier on, guys, before we came uh, before we started recording of of some uh, songs that are out there with bisexual lyrics. Um, and there are obviously others. Um, and I asked you to pick one that you thought was particularly good. So um, uh, let's start with uh, with you, Nikki. What uh, what what caught your eye? Okay, so I slightly cheated. I picked an artist that was on the list, but another song of hers with bisexual lyrics, which I actually think is better. So the artist is Janelle Monet, who I'm totally obsessed with and would leave Ferdy, my husband, for. And I've, I've told him many a time. I saw her at Glastonbury two years ago and was just in heaven. She's this, she, she was Prince's protege and she's the most incredible musician, singer, performer. Anyway, she has this song called Make Me Feel and the video is just absolutely amazing because it's basically her running between a man and a woman and, like, crawling on the floor and not being able to make a mind up about which one she fancies. It's extremely entertaining if you haven't watched it. So that's my favourite song. Fantastic. Lewis, what about you? Well, I'm not the most musical bisexual, as you know, um, but I will say, and I know people are going to have an issue with this, but Katy Perry's I Kissed a Girl, Hear Me Out, 
it was fun, it was upbeat, and I'm just a sucker for, oh, it's fun and upbeat, yay. But also, I think it normalised it. it. I would describe the song as maybe more by curious than bisexual. Um, but the idea that, you know, she's kissing a girl and she's liking it, and that's okay, and we were singing about it over ten years ago, I actually think it was really like, yeah, like, that, that'll that do for me. I, I know people have issues with that song, but I'm like, it doesn't need to be perfect. It's just it's it's just a little element, it's just a little a little taster to kind of, like, get those people thinking. Yeah, no, absolutely. I fully agree. Well, the one I picked, um, and again, I, I was surprised at this because I was, you know, 1994, Blur, 1994, Girls and Boys. I was, what, 20, 22, 21, 22 at that age. It was a song that I heard. The exact all... age of the people going down to Greece. That was like your, yeah, your yeah, song, Ash. Absolutely, absolutely. And, but, but you know what? At the time, I never thought of those lyrics as being anything to do with bisexuality. You know, girls who are boys, who like boys to be girls, who do boys like their girls, who do girls like their boys, always should be someone you really love. Now, it's purely, bi- it's a, it is talking about bisexuality. Why didn't that sink in at the time? It's bizarre. Really strange. But That's you know. good bisexual campaigning. You don't know that it's happening. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. So our challenge, our challenge to you out there, we said at the beginning of the year that we wanted to do more stuff around uh, entertainment and art and creativity, etc. Um, those of you who are, who are musical and uh, maybe write lyrics or whatever, um, we'd like you to come up with um, a theme song to go with Bisexual Brunch. Now, we haven't got any great budget to put towards it, I'm afraid, because, um, you know, podcasting tends to be jam tomorrow unfortunately um though of course we'd uh, welcome your donations on patreon at any time anytime soon but um yeah um uh, we'd like to uh, basically ask you to come up with um a song and some music uh which we would um basically have as our theme song on bisexual brunch and of course you'll get the opportunity then to uh, uh, promote it all around the world when we when we broadcast bisexual brunch in in every territory so there you go there's a challenge for you um and uh, we'd love to hear from you soon because um yeah i'm sure we could um and you know you, you never know you might get some backing singers from me nikki and lewis you know i was just about to ask you're not going to make me and nikki sing are you <laughs> uh, what are you talking about i'm a trained singer any opportunity for me well, you go for it i'll just be the posh spice and just pose in the background all right okay deal. well that's cool. bisexual brunch for this week if you've got any comments thoughts musings do get in touch with us at at bisexual brunch on twitter and thank you for listening and we'll see you later bye for now guys i cannot sing at all um it's just it's just beyond me what i am actually going to go and do after this i'm we're getting Maisie onto solid food so i've got to go through and make sure that i've got a new blender to puree the foods and make sure i'm not going to give her anything that's going to kill her but it's a minefield more people should talk well, about it that, while you're doing that you could be start reciting um you know one of those songs come on have a go i, I can't at uh, least at least give us the lyrics go at on, least Kate, give us the, the katie perry just one speak come on them. just go speak on. them go on katie perry I, 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 oh my god, this is so awkward. I kissed a girl, I liked it. I, the taste of her cherry chopsticks. I hope my boyfriend don't mind it. I can't, Yay! guys, I can't, well I done. cannot Yay! sing it. It's not a skill I was blessed with. Maisie would tell you, I can't even do Twinkle Twinkle Little Star. I shouldn't like it. Nikki, we'll have to, I think we should train him to sing. We'll, we'll get you training him to sing. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> Guys, I went to drama school on the weekends um, when I was like 14 to 18, and I can act. I, I can't dance and I cannot sing. They tried, they threw their expertise at me. It was all lost. Remember to it was subscribe a waste of time. wherever you get your podcasts.